Hi, everyone. I'm Rosie Ward, and this is Show Up as a Leader. I have to tell you that I have so much love and admiration and respect for my guest today, Carly Kammerer. She is the CEO of an incredible company called Wildflyer Coffee. They are a nonprofit that she co-founded that employs youth experiencing homelessness and teaches them critical job and life skills to help them build a brighter future. She also sits on the Young Professionals Board for YouthLink and mentors through Big Brothers and Big Sisters. She has a background in social work, and she is so much more than that. And one of the things I love about Carly that you will hear from our conversation is she shares her journey, ups and downs of being a leader and really recognizing her own limits. And so much of what she shares is such a common universal human experience and really looking at what we've all dealt with over the past year and a half. And she shares so much about giving herself permission to feel and really waiting in that messy middle and letting ourselves be in the brokenness and that there's actually beauty and gifts when we give ourselves permission to be there instead of armoring up and numbing and whether it's working ourselves to death or whatever it is and really finding our self and our value or an identity with who we are, not from what we do or what we get done. And there's just such richness in this conversation. And I think you're going to walk away inspired. I think you're going to walk away perhaps hopeful and giving yourself permission to embrace a little bit more of your own humanity as well as your gifts. So Carly, I am so happy to be hanging out with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So we, I was thinking about this. It's been like, gosh, over two years or something since we met. And I still remember meeting you in a coffee shop and just kind of talking about you and saying, hey, I need to interview you and tell your story in our book, Rehumanizing the Workplace. And that's now a year old. So I was like, yeah, it's it's been a while. And I know you share some of your journey in our book, for, but for people who don't know who you are, I was thought it would be great for you to just start with just saying a little bit kind of about your background um, and, and kind of how you came to do what you do. And then we'll talk about how that led into creating Wildflower Coffee. Yeah, um, so I graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire in 2014 with my degree in social work. And in that time had started kind of volunteering with youth experiencing homelessness and just I knew I wanted to work with young people and then the homeless piece just came into it. And that was just kind of became the the path I set my life on. And I moved to Minneapolis and just worked here for a couple of years and was starting to really see the same trend of working with young people who couldn't quite get out of, of homelessness because of employment instability. So just kind of a cycle of like getting a job and losing a job and not having one long enough to increase income um, or even get enough of a history to apply for an apartment. And so there's just no sustainability in the work I felt like I was doing. And I really wanted to do something that would be the last stop um, in their journey out of homelessness. And that pairs with coffee. Um, I also had 10 years of industry experience as a barista and kind of grown up in the coffee industry and I'm a personal fan, very addicted. And <laughs> <laughs> love me, love me my Java in the morning. Gotta say, it's yeah. so bad. 
Um, and also just saw the value in coffee shops and what they create for community and bringing people together. And so it seemed like a really good kind of like nucleus to create a community driven response to ending youth homelessness. I love that. I love that. So enter Wildflower Coffee. So tell me, tell me about kind of how you started and really you've evolved quite a bit since we featured you in our book two years ago. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So in 2016, I think I just started feeling, this had been like an idea that had just been kicking around for a couple of years. And I was really always had a reason why I shouldn't do it. Like I was too young. I didn't know anything, blah, blah, blah. And one day, one of my best friends was just like, well, are you going to keep talking about it? Or are you going to do it? Oh, you got to love those friends that just like shine that mirror in our face or whack us between the eyes. Right? I love that. Yeah. She was just, I, I was like, okay, Krista, I hear you. Um, and I just, I just kind of decided to do it. I don't know. And so I, and of course, a couple things like lined up there. I met my um, former business partner and he brought a ton of knowledge and support to what we were doing. And I took a small business class and that's where I met the woman who became our treasure. And she recommended that we start as a coffee cart, which I had never even considered because I was just on this whole thing of we're going to get a coffee shop, but that really was going from zero to a hundred, um, and so I, that is probably the best advice for any entrepreneur is to just start small. Cause once you start, it'll snowball, but it's just really like getting going. And so wrote a just not good business plan. Um, I love many, the authenticity. Many, many, many iterations later, we have a good business plan. Um, and we started in 2017 as just a really small mobile coffee cart at a farmer's market first day was just a disaster obviously like no idea what we were doing it's it's funny now but in the moment I was like what this is not good um and it just yeah it grew from there we started just to be employed maybe two youth that summer super small um but then we we kept going we we were in more markets the following year, year employed more youth and then we decided to just go for the shop and we fundraised 200 something thousand dollars which is how I met you and the team at Conscious Capitalism who's so great at helping with that finished fundraising in 2019 and then last year despite just the ridiculousness of last year and many many hurdles in the business we opened our first brick and mortar December 15th yay so And, yeah. I'm so, and I haven't been there yet, but now I'm vaccinated. I can't wait yeah. to come because our, our mutual friend, Sheila said that, uh, for my, one of my Christmas presents, she actually yes. got a chair in my name there. So I'm like, I have to come sit in my she room. She did, which reminds me, I need to order those chairs. Oh, anyway, but anyway, that's okay. So I'm super excited. Well, and so I want to back up though, because it's not, it's not that only that you employ youth. Can you talk about what you yes. do? Because this is really what's key. And, and, and here's why I want to preface this is that a previous podcast episode, I had an incredible woman, a guest named Linda Riddell. So go listen to that episode, but she talked about the scarcity mindset of people with low income and just how, when so many things are coming at you in this cognitive load and that so many people, when they think about, well, can't people just, you know, lift themselves up by the bootstraps or get a job or what's wrong with them. And we, and we don't realize all these compounding 
factors. We think, oh, just they just need to go get a job or they just need to get off drugs. Or they, and we don't realize the deeply embedded systemic things that they're trying to overcome. And so I think what you are doing, it's not only employing them, you're going a step further. So can you talk more about that? Because I think that's so key. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I realized I didn't really even touch on our mission. Um, so yes, we are more than a coffee company. Uh, so we employ youth experience and homelessness. So kids or young people that are 16 to 24. And we do a six month training program. And the reason we need to exist and that youth can't just get a job. Well, they can just get a job. They can get an entry level job. They can, you know, but they really struggle to keep it um, because like you're saying, scarcity mindset. So it's really called survival mode when we're, or when we talk about youth experiencing homelessness, we say survival mode. Um, that sometimes if you're in that place of desperation, like you're just making decisions on what's going to get you through the next hour. And if what's going to get you through the next hour is not showing up to work for a paycheck, you're not going to get for two weeks. You're just not going to show up to work. And it's not because you're lazy. It's not because you're bad. You're just like, I need to get my needs met now. And so of course we know that it's like important to do the work now for the payoff later, but we also are in a place where we're like, not getting our basic food and shelter needs met and so it's really easy to be like you just need to come to work and then you'll work your way out of this um when you're not the one experiencing that so for our young people it's a lot of their survival mindset and just like a lot of barriers I mean youth in general are are not the best workers we've all been a young person at our first job very embarrassing when I think of things I thought were okay um so there's kind of the natural youth piece you're working with and then just just a lack of skills, you know, communication, conflict management. A lot of our young people have trauma and have not learned how to handle it. And so they come into work with everything happening in their life and get triggered by a customer and everything blows up. Um, and sometimes just the physical things, transportation, clothing, shower, you know, all those things that make someone able to show up to work and do well. And so what I was seeing was youth that just, yeah, they're cycling through entry-level jobs and no one's taking the time to address the problem. And so they never get past that hurdle into being the great employees that they can be and, and moving up in their careers. So what we really do is, is over the six months, we just exist to deal with those problems and we kind of know what we're getting into and we have some supports built in um, to our program to address all of those barriers and get them to a place of more stability. Um, so that's things like mental health referrals and, you know, housing assistance, education help, men, uh, we are hiring a social worker just to help kind of like balance all these things going on in their life. Um, cause it's really kind of a holistic effort to get someone to be able to maintain a job. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I love that because you're, you're really helping to get at the root cause, right. Of what's going to help mm -hmm. break the cycle of what they've come from and what they've experienced and right. And try to help them be able to show up as a leader in their life and, and make a difference. So yeah. I, I love that. I love that so much. And I'm so excited that you, in the spite of everything that was going on in 2020, that you were still able to mm -hmm. open your shop, right? Because opening the shop means that you have more sustainability year round. You can employ more yeah. people, right. And really, really grow that mission. Mm -hmm. So I love mm -hmm. that. 
I love that so much. Um, and so with that, uh, we might as well talk about this now. So you open the shop doing really great things and now you're on a new campaign. Tell me about the, the latest fundraiser because we're going to put links to this in, in the show notes, but I think it's yeah. super, super exciting what you're doing and, and people who want to be able to support what Wildflyer is all about. Yeah. So we, we opened <laughs> and we, I mean, it was really uh, kind of hands-on, like, let's get this thing open and figure out how to open a coffee shop. And we were employing youth in that time. Um, but the problem is a lot of of that youth support work is still falling on me. And I'm also trying to, like, run the whole agency and fundraise and do everything else I do. And so we, we kind of just are tapped out at what we can do for youth. So we can, we could hire more, like, program or capacity wise, we can have 10 youth at a time in our program, but just support wise, we are not able to do like, it's a disservice to bring youth in and not support them. Yep. Um, so now that we're up, we're running, we open, we did all that. We are working really hard to fundraise $10,000, um, to help us get kind of a footing to hire, um, a woman named Mackenzie who would be our social worker and help, um, be that stabilizing force and support our young people. Um, and through that, we would actually be able to bring in eight more youth um, than we have right now. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of like a big, I guess the, the growth potential from it um, is really huge. So we are really excited um, to kind of be growing the program side. Like we got open and we did all that. And now it's really about how are we, how are we supporting youth and, and doing what we say our vision and mission is well, and just finding out that Carly trying to be social worker and executive director and sometimes barista is not, um, it's not going to work for me or really for the youth. So, yeah. um, Well, you can't, let's be honest. Nobody can be all things to all people and you find that you hit your breaking point. So I would say kudos to you for figuring out, you know, your limits and, and, um, because, I think that, you know, whether someone is a small business owner or not, I think a lot of us, um, and really let's even just take this last year, whether people are parents or not, who are trying to work and trying to homeschool. I mean, I think this last year people got thrown into trying to do all kinds of things that, um, at once and many people in their own way found their limits and found their breaking point. And I think Mm -hmm. you hit a point where you have to say, I can't like, and, 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 and look at where, where, where does my where can I best use my talents? Where, mm-hmm. where do I need to say no? Where, you know, so I think that's huge. Yeah. I think that's a big part of my growth curve too, is right. I was, it was kind of just me and a few people for so long doing everything and now getting to a point where a, I can't do everything and I shouldn't be doing everything. Cause I'm not really good at some of the things I'm trying to do. Um, so recognizing, okay, like I am actually not my time is better spent over here. So let's bring in someone who can be yeah. here. And that's yep. what we're trying to do because our youth deserve a lot of support. So. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, so I feel like that is a really good transition because in, in our book, Rehumanizing the Workplace, we not only tell the story of Wildflower, because I think what you're doing is amazing, but what I so love and have always appreciated about you, Carly, is you're willing to just authentically share like 
this is where I am, you know, on my leadership journey. And so I was actually looking back in our book of like some of the, some of the stuff you said. And so I just want to kind of look back because it's kind of funny to go, Oh, think about it. Our book came out a year ago, but this was really two years ago. Right. When I talked to you. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, And so you, you were talking about, so I said, anytime the real Carly would shine through the visionary dreamer, nonconformist, people would make her feel bad about it. They labeled her a dreamer. Like it was a bad thing. They would say she had her head in the clouds and it was seen as flighty and noncommittal. Carly started to see those aspects of herself as a liability rather than an asset. And venturing from the social work world into the business world prompted her to hide even more of her authentic self. And so I'm not going to quote all this, but then you go on talking about, you know, being a 27-year-old female who looks like a baby in a male-dominated business world and just talking about, like, you don't even see yourself as a leader and, like, not even liking that word leader and that, you know, um, and I think you said, um, you said you had so much working against you and you said the precedent shouldn't be that you have to become a bitch to successfully do anything. I don't even like that word. We're called it all the time. We're just trying to get stuff done. I want to be able to show emotion and empathy and still be considered tough. And then what I, and then I love you go on and you talk about like kind of playing almost dress up, right. And not being your authentic self. So there was a launch of the twin cities, conscious capitalism chapter in the fall of 2018. And you were asked to be part of a panel um, and you were talking about, you know, never seeing yourself as mainstream and adopting more of a grunge look. And at the time of this event, you don't have it anymore, but you had dreadlocks and multiple facial piercings and tattoos. And you said you were really nervous, right? <laughs> if this coming back. <laughs> Such a and different person. <laughs> I know, right? But this is just two years ago. So I love this. So growth. And you said, you know, I'm going to be in a room full of business people. So you thought to yourself, I have to be one of them. And so this, now this is you, you said, I bought what I thought was this professional looking suit that didn't even look good. I mean, it was just not good. I think I felt this pressure of having to show up to these things, looking like everyone else. And the added pressure of being young tipped me over the edge. The thing is that I was so uncomfortable. I felt like I was a little kid playing dress up, trying to be someone I wasn't, or trying to fit into this world that I didn't think I could fit into. I felt ridiculous and didn't feel like I could totally be me and therefore wasn't fully present or showing up as my best. Of course, afterwards, I realized that people aren't going to invest in my company because I wear a stupid suit to an event. (laughs) So I just, I, I was looking back at that, right? Because you were all about trying to find your authentic voice. And I know that you've been on an incredible journey since then. And we'll talk about what's been happening in recent weeks. But I just, as, as you hear that reflected back, and you think about where you've been on your leadership journey over the past two years, can you just share a little kind of um, insights of how you've come to kind of get past that and find more of your authentic voice? Yeah, that's really funny to hear that read back (laughs) to me and like think about all of that. Um, That's actually really interesting that even back then I was saying I was struggling with how to be emotional and like real at work because I think that is has been probably up until this last month um not something I've figured out so it's just a journey um (laughs) it's a marathon not a sprint right yes uh I will say I've gotten a lot more comfortable in my own skin and in like conversing about what I'm doing attracting people into the vision of wildfire not feeling like under fake pretenses um 
I actually had a really, really beautiful personal conversation with one of our major donors the other day. And, you know, I think being able to open up with people is not unprofessional. Yeah. And obviously there's boundaries in like reading the room a little bit, but I think people want that human touch. And so I think, um, yeah, so I guess I'm, I'm moving along. I'm getting better at, at the emotional piece of it all. Yeah. Well, I regular, I, I regularly say that people want realness and authenticity over polish and perfection mm-hmm. any day. Right. And and I think about, you know, all of the work that Brene Brown has, has brought into the world and, and, and into my life and that, you know, our, our brain has us think that being vulnerable is a weakness. And, and I love that you said it has to have boundaries, right? And you mm-hmm. have to read the room and you have to know, I mean, vulnerability without boundaries is just oversharing. Yes. But, but when you're real with people, the natural response is not judgment like our brain would have us think. The natural response is actually empathy and connection. And if you think about anything that we, you know, accomplish and get done in this world, it's not in a bubble. And we're more likely to want to lean in and support and lift up and help people who we have some kind of relationship with that we feel that connection on some level than someone who we feel is, you know, we don't know, or we feel is being disingenuous with us or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just give permission to everyone around you to be human yep yep y'all want well god love being human right <laughs> you gotta love it got to because <laughs> we got we got nothing else right so speaking of being human so i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. ask you to be human and, and I, I forewarned you about this and you said you were good with this so um a, around a month or so ago we were starting a second book club in honor of the one-year anniversary of Rehumanizing the Workplace and asked you to be a special guest for the first session. And I was so excited yet floored and blown away when you said, well, you were actually getting ready to take a one-month like sabbatical. And I remember you were emotional and you talked about just being burned out. And I thought, good for you that like to recognize, right? And just go work on you, um, especially when you're an entrepreneur and this is your business. And so you were so gracious that you have been writing beautifully, by the way, I hope that you're going to put this in a book, like eloquently written blog journal posts um, on Facebook, kind of cap, um, capturing mm-hmm. your journey. And so I have a couple of them that I want to just read pieces of, and I want to ask you to speak to. And the reason why I want to do this is again, this whole podcast is about showing up as a leader, whether someone has a role as a leader or not, and really looking at how do we navigate this messiness of being human, normalize these very real sticky aspects of being human, and realize that we can go through the hard stuff and be in that messy middle and be able to come out at some point the other side as a better version of ourselves, mm-hmm. even though in the middle it might, might suck, Right. So yeah. I, I love it. So it's funny because you have like 30 days of being out, but you have like several days of posts. So I want to start with like day one, um, be great. Cause this is like, you, you decide to go off to Arizona and yeah. you're just like, whatever. So before I read that post, can you tell me about, um, you don't have to share everything, but kind of what led up to like, oh my gosh, I need to just take a sabbatical. Cause that's a huge decision. Yeah. Um, so last year, was just, it was 
really chaotic and I, I do this and I'm trying to figure out like how to, to recognize before I do it, but I tend to just get into like, kind of like a whirlwind headspace. Um, I've noticed where like, I, I really can't see what's happening. Um, cause I'm just in it and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm going, I'm, I'm going through this. Um, like just push big, through, just push yeah, through. Right. Like yeah. Big things happened for me last year, um, in the business and in my personal life. And I just, woke up and went to work and it was, it was fine. You know, the, the city's on fire, but I'm fine thing. Um, and then we got this opportunity to, to sign a lease and open a shop. And we signed the lease in November, November 1st, I got the keys and we opened December 15th. And I, which that's a not, very short timeline, by the way, like if anyone yeah, doesn't understand, that's a very short timeline. Yes. Five weeks. And I mean, it was just me for like, a good part of it because it took a while to hire and I, I brought in a shop manager who like is amazing and walks on water in my opinion but you know I was in there painting walls and like doing everything to obviously had help but I'm not there was just this drive of like we gotta just get this thing to the end and I truly can I can't remember the month of November I just existed and opened a coffee shop and so I think like it took so much to get through some of what was happening and to get through that month and to open and then to like get us up and running. And then I think I just kind of um, in February was also having problems in my personal life that came to a head and it just like suddenly was just too much. And I just was exhausted. Like it's, I think it's kind of one of those things like when you're doing so much and then it's over like and the adrenaline leaves you're just like done and I I just was like I'm gonna die <laughs> I actually like thought I was gonna die and I called my chairman um this kind of all happened on a Sunday I called him Monday morning and I was just kind of like I for the first time ever I'll like consider leaving wildflyer or I just was like, I actually really don't care what happens to it right now because I don't have it within me to do anything other than sit on the floor and cry. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. Um, and I just, I feel like I wasn't even sure what I was needing, but I was just saying like, I can't be here anymore. So figure something out. And they did. I mean, my team was great. Everyone was great. Um, they were like, you should just honestly go away for a month and I don't want to say it, it wasn't a hard, it should have been a hard decision to do, but it was almost easy because of how, how done I was. Yeah. You were just completely burned out. I really I mean, didn't care. Can't. I was like, yeah. honestly, I was like, fuck it. Like it can close for all yeah. I care. I hate this place. I like literally was like, I hate this. I don't even want to be in here. Um, which is a place that I should never work myself into again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of was one of those things. And this had happened in 2019 too. I kind of had like a little mental health breakdown just from work. And it's like every time it's like, why you can either take days off or you're going to take all the days off because you are done. Yeah. Well, and so I, I think that that's so important because we tend to repeat patterns, right. As, as human beings. And I remember the first time I met you, like, there's so much similarity in this, right. I was always like work, work, work. And when I get triggered, it's just like, I can be productive as all get out. And then I will hit a point where I'm done. And yeah. then I like, I literally sit and I'm like, I, I can't even, I, I can't even respond to an email. Oh yeah. It is. Like, yeah. Like you're, 
I can't even pick up my phone. Yeah. Like, and you're, and you're like, what the hell is wrong with me? Right, or like, my the day body before, would... you're like kicking ass. <laughs> yeah. And then, or else then I, I get sick or, you know, whatever, like, right. And this, so this is like, you know, right. So this is, this, this is work that is not unfamiliar. And I even think about, you know, on top of pushing, 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 let's just be real. When you look at everything that transpired in 2020, so you have the pandemic, you have, you know, George Floyd being murdered in our backyard, because you're in Minneapolis and we've been more. It was literally. Yeah. Right. And then, and that's where, that's where you work and that's where you live. Right. And then you have the riots and then you just have everything that's gone on. And so 2020 into 2021 has just been one trauma after another on top of the tendency to overwork yourself. And so I think one of the things that um, I, I just think that there's a universal lesson out of what you just shared is that there are so many people that are burnt out that are healthcare workers. I mean, I know that I, I know a couple physicians that have quit medicine in the past six months. Like I'm just done. Think of all the time and money into become a physician, right? But they're like, I'm done. And healthcare workers that are just fried and people in other industries that are fried and people that just, they, they've had enough, right? And so I think we, we have to recognize all of that going on. And, and what I love is A, that you had an awesome support system to be able to kind of do this. But what I love about what you were sharing throughout your journals and blogs on Facebook that I'll, that I'll get back to in a second is it just shows the process, right? Of like, okay, when you hit that point or even before you get to that point, like what are some lessons we can learn or things that other people have probably thought about? Um, and so what's interesting, right? So you just said, F it, like I'm out, like I, I gotta be gone, right? So you take off, you go to Arizona, right? You're just like, I'm just gonna go somewhere, right? Um, which I love that. And I think you said you bought a plane ticket like the day before, like this is all just getting Oh, it was not, it was not planned. It yeah. was bad. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, I'm out. Right. So, but, but so you write, this is like day one, you talk about being in Arizona and I think you found a, um, a coffee shop not surprising. And then you just said, so you're just kind of sitting there and you said, everything that I have defined myself by is gone. And all that lies ahead is a lot of uncertainty. Then you say, I resist the urge to check our shop app and see how sales are doing just one more time. I think to myself, like an addict, I always come back to that number. Why? Because who I am is that number. If it's high, I'm okay. If it's low, I am flawed. Because I am a workaholic, it is a lot prettier than other addictions, but just as harmful. I delete the app. I write in my journal, when your identity is tied to your business, you rise and fall with the budget. I think about this for the rest of the day. I am tired of rising and falling with the budget. What was that insight like for you? That was day one. I mean, that's a, ma- that is a massive resol- re- revelation to have after you've just said, F it, I'm out. Right. I mean, you're in the middle of Arizona. Like I'm just, just, yeah. What was that like? Um, I think just that whole day was just weird. Like, I mean, I packed at nine o'clock the night before and I flew out at like 6 a.m the next day this whole thing was just like peace out everyone like <laughs> you're, was, like, you're like mic drop I'm done bye I really did like I was like I don't figure it out you know um and then I got there and I just had no plan I'm like wandering around the city my dad was like so displeased with my decisions <laughs> like just walking around with my suitcases um it was freeing to delete the app like I just truly was at a place where for the first time ever I just yeah I was like I don't care like I just had a moment of like I need my life to have meaning outside of this thing 
that could fail and will fit and if it fails it won't be because I didn't do work it's just because things fail sometimes and it was just kind of this weird thing because there was a physical so in at work I I wear kind of like a uniform ever makes fun of me but like all black I kind of have like this like leather jacket on I I wear like things that I think make me feel strong and like powerful and like older because I still just do struggle with how people perceive me and it felt like I had stepped out of all of that and like I had just put on this like I was truly like all the things even my clothes that define me are gone and I'm just sitting at the shop in my like little flannel that I had stolen from my roommate. I didn't even have my own clothes because I just like left the house and couldn't find anything I wanted to wear. You know, and just, it was weird. I was like, I don't look like my professional powerhouse self projection thing. I try to do at work. Um, who am I without these clothes and without this title? And well, who, who are you without this armor, right? Or who are yeah, you without this mask or this shield? For. Like, it literally feels yeah. like I put on an armor every day when I go to work. And I just, it was gone. I didn't have it. Um, and I didn't really want it. Because like, yeah. I don't even know who or what I am outside of this thing I've created. And I'm tired of it. And it's, it is such a hard way to live your life with, like, your self-worth could change 18 times a day depending on when you look at the cash register you know well it's it's when it's when you're looking for your value uh, to be defined by something outside of you rather than knowing who you are right and so like and I love this because when you talked about the you know wearing the clothes at that event and I had written like you know once upon a time you know and again I get like environments but like I used to have all these suits that I would wear when I present because I thought that was a professional thing and it was fine but like, I'm like, that's not me. And you start, when you start to come into your own, you start to get clear about who you are. Like, am I going to show up and present in sweatpants? Well, no, but you know what? It's probably going to be like, you know, nice jeans and a blazer and I can still look professional or whatever. Right. So I think it's figuring yeah. out who you are and do your clothes reflect that. And I'm laughing as you say that, because I remember, oh my gosh, back when my husband and I were dating, we've been together a long time. So we started dating in 1995 and I'm quite a bit older than you, but anyway. And I remember that I totally had this, like, my armor was the hyperproductive, you know, tough chick. Um, like I would break up with a guy before, like when I would start to like him, cause I didn't want to get hurt. Like it was this whole, like, right. I'm going to have this persona that I have all my act together and whatnot. And I wouldn't let anybody in. That was totally my armor, total fear of being hurt. And it was funny. Cause you're talking about the leather jacket. And I remember I used to have this badass like black leather jacket or whatever. And, um, and my husband said, he goes, he, of course, we're dating time. And he said something about, I have you pegged. Or one of his friends said, they have me pegged. I'm like, oh, whatever. And they, what did he call me? Gosh, I should ask him. But it was something like, they said, yeah, like tough cookie on the outside, but her inside's nothing but gooey marshmallows. And I was like, you shut up. Yes, that is how I describe myself. Yeah. Like, I am just a gooball inside. Yeah. But, but somehow like, that's a bad thing, right? Like you have feelings and that's terrible, yeah. especially if you're like someone in business. So the, speaking of the gooey, the gooey inside, right. Of taking off that armor. So that was day one. And now we're going to fast forward almost a week. And now you get to day seven, right? So now you've been on your sabbatical in a week and like the, the bottom dropped out in the gooey middle cracked wide open. Yeah. So, uh, you were talking about being in a, in a, uh, sitting on a, you know, you said it was this night in a shitty two-star roadside hotel in Phoenix. I sat on the floor and cried 
for all that was wrong in my life, in the world, between people and on the earth. I like to pretend I'm not tenderhearted. This is a lie. I feel deeply. And when I start crying, I'm suddenly crying over everything. And 2020 brought a lot to cry about. I'm crying because my mom died. Because a lot of people's moms die. Because people get sick. Because racism exists. Because we humans have a remarkable propensity to hurt each other. To carry so much anger and hate. Because I've hurt others and maybe can't make amends. Because Minneapolis has held so much blatant pain this year. I cry because somewhere someone is feeling more alone than I am and I wish I could hug them because I stubbed my toe because I don't like my haircut and because I didn't give my dog enough love growing up and now she's dead. Anyways, the spiral. And then you say, maybe sometimes we need to feel the world's brokenness to remember that this is not all there is, that this is not right, that nothing is how it was intended to be, to remember that this is temporary and that one day it will be restored, that a new thing is coming, that we can have hope in that. And then you say, while I feel all this wrongness, I remind myself that we all need a lot of love and a lot less hate in the interim of this sad, broken world. That is something that I can do. So you're having this meltdown, puddle on the floor, right? And all of a sudden you cry about everything. But then I, it was like this phoenix almost where it's like, you know what? There is something that I can do. Like in the brokenness, because I think a lot of times we don't, you know, you go back to wearing the leather jacket or having that tough, tough exterior because we don't want to feel that. But but the only way to, you, you have to go through it, right? There isn't a shortcut around the other side. You have to go through it. You have to let yourself sit in that puddle and have that brokenness to be able to then find the gifts in that. So I don't know if there's anything you want to reflect back on that day seven, but I just thought that was so powerful about like being in right in the, that messy middle Mm -hmm. and just like letting it happen because you cannot see what's on the other side. If you don't let it emerge. Um, yeah, that was, (laughs) that was a night. Um, I, it was, it was almost funny in how awful it was. I just have never felt so alone. And like, I just, it was like, I'm in a city by myself. I, my phone was dying actually. And I couldn't find the charger. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to die. Like, I was like, there's, I can't even get to a target to buy a new one. Cause my phone will die before the Uber comes. I don't have anyone to call. I like ran to the front desk and was just like a mess. <laughs> do you have anything? Um, it was bad. It was pretty bad. But yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it just, and I don't know why life is like this. It's like, why can't we learn lessons from good things and like not have to go through pain to become like mature or whatever. But I think sometimes you just have to be, it just has to happen. Like you kind of have to break open a little bit. Um, to let a new thing in. And I don't know what that new thing is yet. I just felt like I knew like, I'm here and it sucks (laughs) and I'm going to get to a new thing. And I don't know what is going to happen in between or what that will be, but I'm just letting it happen at this point. And I'm going to have to sit in it. Um, Well, and I love what, what I, what I think is so powerful about that is you go back to now, keep in mind, this is seven days after you're like, peace out, I'm done. Right. So you've just been work, 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 work. 
so how long you've been avoiding letting yourself, you know, feel mm-hmm. like, feel the grief for what happened in Minneapolis, feel the grief for what was going on, right? It's just push through, push through, push through. I, um, last year in one of Brene Brown's podcast episodes, she talks about when we're faced with like stress and anxiety, we kind of have over-functioners or under-functioners. And like you and I are definitely both over-functioners, right? Mm-hmm. And because if you, if you just go over, 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 then you don't have to feel, but at some point it will catch up with you. And so I think about like all the people who you think have been completely fine over this past year and a mm-hmm. half that have been in over-function mode, you know, like, how can you do it? Know that at some point they're maybe not look the same, but they're, you know, metaphorically needing to be on the puddle of floor crying is going to hit them. And for some people, it still hasn't hit yet. And yeah. so I just think like for anybody who has overfunctioners in their life, know that some it's version of Carly being- sitting in a hotel room, you know, sobbing about, you know, everything um, that whatever that looks like for them, but it will come because they've been avoiding feeling it. And you can only, we know you can only stuff that stuff yeah. down so long and it has to come out. It really does. And I, I mean, I think that was, that day was really a turning point for me. Um, I think that first week, even just being out there was just trying to like catch my breath a little bit. And then, I mean, yeah, after that, I just, I really started letting like grief because I'm just grieving a lot in my personal life right now, um, like move through me when it, came I just started like crying when it came up and and if it was with people I just left and excused myself and sometimes would call a friend and just cry and um and then it goes away like I think that's a hard thing for me I am not I don't want to feel bad things and that's a lot to do with my personality type um so I just do so much to avoid feeling anything and yeah you get to a point where it's gonna come you're gonna feel it um and you're not gonna die like you have the tools to hold grief and be okay and so I really just learned to like it would come out you let it come out um and then it kind of subsides and nobody died like (laughs) well and I think I think that's so huge though because grief shows up differently for different people and again to go back to if you look at we've all experienced this past year and a half differently. Like some people have had way more trauma than others. Right. But, but we've all been traumatized to some degree, right? Like our world as we know it. And, you know, people have lost loved ones and, you know, people have, you know, um, you know, life events have not gone the same way they wanted to. And there's just all kinds of things. And I think that, you know, when we try to pretend it doesn't exist and avoid feeling, I mean, I think about like, I was coaching a leader. Um, this was like, this was in 2019. So before the pandemic and, as I was coaching this leader, sort of recognizing that, you know, this person's mother had died 10, 10, 15 plus years ago, and they never processed it. They just picked up and up. I have to be the strong person. And I, and I finally, I was like, you need to find a grief counselor. Like you can't, you can't have that and not process that. Right. And so I, we put our coaching on pause and I was like, oh my gosh, but there's so many people that don't don't want to feel it because it, and I know I remember any time in my life when I've had like grief, whether it was a breakup or whether it was a loss of something or a person, I mean, grief, right. Comes from all kinds of things, sense of loss, but I was always like, can I fast forward to the point where I'm pissed off? Cause I can deal with anger. Oh my God. I can, I can function like nobody's business when I'm pissed <laughs> off, man, <laughs> but I can, I like, I'm a puddle on the floor when I'm in grief. And so like, make me mad because I will like work out. I will go weed your garden. I will like, I will get crazy productive when I'm pissed off, but I cannot function 
when I'm sad and grieving. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are like, they, they don't want to feel the grief because it's like, it's icky. And, and so, so they avoid it, they fast forward it, they shove it down. And, and you think about workplaces or, you know, think about the youth that you, you all are supporting that we've got a tr- tremendous amount of varying levels of grief and trauma that people are experiencing. And are we creating spaces for people to recognize that and deal with it? Um, Cause if we don't, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that gets me into, uh, so I, you have one, one more than speaking of that. Um, I'm not going to go gonna through ask- all of your journal. No, I'm not going to go through all your journal, but there was, it was a more recent one, right? You wrote this actually um, a few days ago. Um, so this was, I mean, from your, from your journey, but you posted a few days ago, but I just thought this one. So you, speaking of this, you said life is so much better when we feel, mm. why did I not open up to this sooner? Pain comes for us all. It doesn't matter how you try to protect yourself. And then you go on and say, um, so anyway, so that was that piece. And then, then at some point you started talking about that your mind started wandering to topics of shame and guilt. And I was like, oh, here we go. Here's some Brene-ness, right? And so, um, and I love that you made this distinction because the way that Brene Brown describes the difference is guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. Right. And so you talk about this really important distinction and you said somewhere in the woods, I realized that I have a problem with shame and that feels like the most vulnerable thing to talk about. So here we are. And then you said, you know, when you're in shame, it's not just, I did a bad thing. It's I am bad. And when you're bad, you can never do enough good to outweigh it. And believe me, I've tried. Then you say, how many of our problems in life are just symptoms of shame? of having that peace inside of us that we are desperate to cover up. That thing that happened that we'd rather forget about, that secret, that mistake. This is why we drink, smoke, cut, starve, lose ourselves in relationships and all other manners of distraction because we just can't quite face that one thing about ourselves, but it never works. I realized how tired I am of carrying that dark weight how tired I am of the futile attempts to escape my inner hatred of self by doing good things. And so one, I love that you, I mean, that's powerful and huge at any age. Um, And so, so you kind of went through this, right? You're like, I'm done hating myself. Like, right. I'm drowning myself in work. So I don't have to feel stuff. So I don't have to feel shame. If I do good for other people, then suddenly I'm a good person. So you did the sabbatical, obviously you're back at wildflyer. So can you tell mm-hmm. me kind of how that transition happened back into resuming, um, and in kind of where you're at now? Yeah, the transition, I felt like I was building like a castle is how I described it around myself of like good things. Um, cause within the last year as a situation in my life was spiraling out of control, um, and someone, <laughs> that I wanted someone's attention that I wanted that was drifting away from me as that kept happening. I kept like doing new good things. Like I started volunteering with big sisters, big brothers and started being on boards of other nonprofits. And it was like, let's keep stacking all of these things just to like prove like I'm lovable. I'm worth it. I'm, I'm like, you know, and I just didn't, I just came to this like whole realization, like, I can just be loved for me. Like I could just stop doing everything right now. And someone could just like Carly. And that's what I really like came back just wanting to be just Carly. Um, 
and so part of that was it reminds me of Will and Grace just Jack but just Carly (laughs) just Carly like just me like no you know like not Carly that does these things blah 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 um and Carly just a rocking badass chick yeah (laughs) um and so really I think a part of that was knowing when I came back like I I did make a self-care plan that I shared with some people because my propensity is to just jump in and um I really just needed to have boundaries with wildfire and that was easier to do because I am I started this and this is still going to just be a process but like separating my identity from wildfire like wildfire is work and carly is carly and the two would become so unmatched um that it just was like constantly working because i can't have wildfire fail because then i fail um and so being like just separating from that as i've come back has been really helpful and that's just been really practical things like trying to limit my my days to nine, eight or nine hour work days and leaving work and like doing something after work that I enjoy. Um, and just kind of like finding myself again, like just who's Carly when she's not working. She likes biking, she likes being with her friends. She enjoys reading and like doing those things um, and just being alive. I don't know, like, I just feel like I'm kind of coming back to life as, as me. Um, and it's really nice. I don't want to live this fast paced life of trying to prove something to everyone because people that love me are just going to love me <laughs> and people yeah. that don't, don't matter. So yep. um, it's the Dr. Seuss quote, right? Um, I know right? <laughs> yeah, right? But for people, be who you, was it? Be who you are and say what you feel for those who matter, yes. won't mind. And those who mind don't matter. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I just, I really feel like I'm coming to life in a new way. And that has been just beautiful. Maybe it's just because it's spring and the weather, but. Um, I think it's more than that. It's I all, think it's more than that. But I, I want to, I feel you on what you're saying with like, give me anger. And the reason I was laughing is because I actually wrote about this in one of my posts. Like, I think you and I are so there is kind of like the productive emotions, which is like stress and frustration and anger, because I, when I feel those things, it's fixable, it's solvable, it's in my control. I'll work it out. Um, when I feel grief, it just, it just like is, I don't know, like you can't yeah. fix it. <laughs> yeah. You can't really work it out on, on your own timeline. And I think that's kind of just been part of coming alive too, is like, what's underneath the anger like feel the real emotion and just um integrate it with self because I think when you try to like cut out that stuff you're just not living a whole person and so I think I'm just trying to live like a whole integrated self like negative and positive emotions I've kind of brought my faith back into my work like I was all just dissected trying to be different Carly's and so I think just like being holistically me and finding new life um, outside of work where my identity is not tied to it has just been really critical to coming back and maintaining yeah. health. I mean, well, not trying but, to die. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we don't, we, we, we want you to be alive, Carl. <laughs> well, and what, you know, there, some of you said though is super, super important. And 
Um, I do this work with individuals and groups through the Dare to Lead curriculum, but really helping people to start to really look at emotions. Because a lot of us, if you look at um, Mark, Mark Brackert's work and whatnot, we are, um, we're not emotionally literate, right? Mm-hmm. So we, like, we don't even know how to name emotions or process them or, or whatnot. And that a lot of times, um, ver- anger is nine times out of 10 masking a different mm-hmm. emotion, right? And a lot of times it might be grief or something else. And so we tend to discharge hurt in a variety of different ways. And yeah. so when we can recognize like that, you know, it's easy to say I'm, I'm pissed off or I'm angry and I'm discharging these emotions, but to get curious and go, okay, what's underneath that? And is it grief or is it hurt or is it whatever? Because if we don't ever process what's beneath it, we, we, we get stuck in the surface. And so I love that you did this inner dive and it's probably not going to, hopefully you're not going to like be I'm out, but you know, I think that we don't do enough time as human beings to give ourselves space, to get curious about our own emotions, to give ourselves mm-hmm. space, to reflect. I think organizations have people go, 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 go. Um, I know so many people who numb and who check out and whatever, because it's easier than having to feel. And I just think there's, there's such richness in living when we can wake up to the because here's the thing, when we wake up to the difficult emotions and let ourselves process them, because the only, again, the only way through difficult emotions and grief is to go through them. And as you start to see an, a new sense of joy, a new sense of self, a new sense of purpose, new sense of clarity, um, like you, I have to have these boundaries and stuff. I just think there's such gifts that can come on the other side, but we have to give ourselves permission to be a little, little broken, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this gets me into you with reading your, your blog post to talk about this. We've kind of been alluding to this and I know you're still in the middle of this, but this is a question that I ask all my guests. So with just where you're at right now, and I know you're, you're three weeks back from all of this and it's still fresh, but what are you recognizing as a key self-limiting story that you are still telling yourself? And now when it shows up, how, how are you going to move beyond it or how do you move beyond it? So you can still show up as a leader in your life. I think, let's see, my mind is going to like two different ones. No, you can share them both. <laughs> so I think one being that uh, strong and emotional are not mutually exclusive. Because um, I think I definitely pride myself on being like the strong one and like I can handle it all and you weaklings can't, uh, which is like a very prideful attitude and that's a really bad tone because if people see me not taking time off they're gonna feel weird taking time off and I don't want to be a boss you know like I'm moving and I'm actually employing people not just even like our youth but like our shop manager and, and I'm their boss now and like I think I don't want to be a crappy boss <laughs> and so I'm like really diving into how to be a good leader um and I think when I came to my team in March and said, like, this is what's going on in my personal life. This is how I feel professionally. I mean, we sat on the floor in the kitchen and I was just weeping and I felt embarrassed. I felt like I was a weak person. I was like, no one's going to respect me. And actually one of my shift leads after was like, that was really cool. That was like a really cool human moment. And I just think for whatever reason, me and a lot of people just view being emotional as not being strong. And I don't think that's true. And I think it, it's limiting in um, creating like authentic 
relationships at work and authentic like culture. Well, and my guess is they probably sensed something was going on with you. So the fact that you were willing to be real and yeah. trust with them with it was probably like, oh God, yeah. otherwise people make up stories in their head about what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And I think they did say too, it just gave them permission to also feel like they could be human at work. Um, and then I think the other one is just like my sense of I am what I do. Um, I, I've been reading a really good book about being like an emotionally healthy leader and it keeps saying like you lead out of who you are not what you do and I've just been really kind of struck by like not wanting to focus so much on what I do but my character and who I am as a person um because I just think yeah I mean just what I've been saying and what I experienced was like when I when I became what I did with wildfire and everything else I was doing, like it was so exhausting and so unsustainable because it's just really never enough. You're just always like, I need to be doing more because this is how I'm proving myself. And if you don't feel that within you, nothing externally is going to fix that. And so then it just, it was very dysfunctional and and toxic and not who I want to be as a person and not what I want to bring to work. Um, So I think divorcing myself from, from being the business um is like setting me on a path of a lot more growth than than ever before that's awesome that's awesome so then really my my last question before we we transition into the quick questions is with that what is with that shift you've had and again remember we define leadership as maximizing our positive impact on the world by becoming our best fully authentic self and then supporting those around us to break past barriers and step into their greatness, right? So you've been doing that with even taking the sabbatical, like you're showing up as a leader, writing these blog posts. So when you think about everything that you've gone through and the journey you're on right now, what is an impactful way that you are showing up as a leader, both in your professional life and mm-hmm. forcing yourself from your professional life and in your personal life these days? Yeah. Um, I think in my personal life, like writing what I've been writing and sharing it has been really big because in the past, I just haven't been very vulnerable or open. Um, but I actually think I do want to start like blogging or I don't know, write a book, whatever, who knows where it'll go. But I think I'm just feeling in me like a new, um, desire. And I've always toyed around with like speaking or writing, Um, so I don't know where that will go, but I think that's just something that has been popping up in me and especially a desire to work with like young female leaders, because I think that I understand just some of the extra pressure, um, at least for me, a lot of the pressure resolved around like, you know, I can't be emotional because I'm a woman and now I'll just maintain the stereotype that I'm anxious and can't handle, you know, can't deal with the stress. Um, so I think there's a lot of extra stuff women put on themselves that I would love to work with young people on because I think young people have so much capacity and potential for great leadership, but sometimes it's unharnessed and we're just like, let's do it. Let's go. And I didn't listen to anyone. You know, people were like, your relationships are impacted. Your marriage is impacted. Your, your health is impacted. And I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> and then I was like, I am not fine. I'm clearly not fine. And so there's wisdom, I think, from people who have done it before. And so I want to, I want to figure out what that looks like for me to help share. Um, 
and I guess that kind of plays into, you know, that could be a professional thing as well, but trying to bring health into my work culture at wildfire is kind of the, the professional thing I'm trying to do now. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I just say kudos, kudos at such a early spot in your journey of life and your, your professional journey to give yourself permission to, you know, have, have the, the step back and to look at yourself and to reset and to be human because to your point of sitting down with your team or even sharing this via blog and the culture you're trying to create at wildfire, when you show up authentically human, not only is it a gift to others, but you are giving other people permission and normalizing it for them to do the same. And I would assume for our, our listeners too, because I bet there's so many people, I mean, as I'm like, oh my gosh, Carly, you're a mini me. <laughs> like, oh God. I, know, I was like, oh, Rosie, we need to just talk today. <laughs> oh yeah. We're going to have a glass of wine soon. Yeah. Okay. God, let's just talk about those productive emotions and over-functioning. Yes. Yeah. Because all day long, baby, all day long. So awesome. Okay. So um, now we're going to transition to my quick questions section. Um, they start out a little bit more thoughtful and then they get fun and silly because we're going to continue to show the human side of guests. So first one, fill in the blank, living authentically is. I don't know. The only phrase that comes to mind is being Carly. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. Living authentically is being Carly. Just me. I Just love it. Me. I love it. Not in armor. Nope. When the world is presenting an opening, but you don't feel like showing up as a leader, what do you do? I'll probably show up anyways. And um, maybe that's redefining what a leader is because maybe showing up even when I don't feel like it is being a leader. Good. Uh, An authentic one because we're not always on. Right. Well, you can show up and say, I'm having a day, man. Yeah, I'll say that. I'm I'm kind of honest about how I'm showing up sometimes. (laughs) Good. So there's probably a ton of these given the conversation we've had today, but when's the last time you were courageous and how did you show up? I am getting ready (laughs) to share a very personal part of my story on someone's uh, like a videography channel um, about how some very ineffective and um, detrimental coping mechanisms I have had up until very recently that I have been shameful of and not talked about. Um, And so I'm sharing that publicly in the next couple of weeks and I'm super nervous about it, but I think it needs to be talked about and recognized. So that feels very courageous to me. That's hugely courageous. I'm very nervous. (laughs) But but I, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And I'm sure it's going to help people. So oh, that's stay tuned for Carly's yeah. secrets. <laughs> Carly's secrets. Here we go. What's something people would be surprised to know about you? Like, I want to say it's that I'm super tender inside, but I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. I think everyone knows that. I just pretend they don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I have a very false persona about myself and other people are like you know does it need to be serious or should it be silly no i'm scared of the dark are you seriously i'm scared of the dark i just had to go in the basement the other day to do laundry and i was scared and i was like this is obnoxious i'm 29 
I love it. <laughs> That's you don't want to go downstairs into your dark basement. <laughs> no, there's too many horror movies that start there. We're not going to do that. I We're still like that. run up the stairs when I'm leaving basement. And it's like, I'm, it's like almost 30 years old. But. I love it. That's awesome. All right. So um, we may have done this once when we were uh, hanging out. I don't even know, but this is the four C's. So this is, is if reality and money were no object, mm. what car would you drive? What country would you visit? What cuisine would you eat does not have to be related to the country. And what celebrity living or dead would you eat that cuisine with? Okay. Car. This is so funny because it's such a cheap car. <laughs> I could actually just go buy it now. I love Ford Rangers. I love them. Um, that's what my dad grew, dr- drove when I was growing up. And my sisters and I made the truck bed into everything you can imagine. It was a covered wagon. It was a ship. It was our house. Like we just played in it all the time. And I think I just like have this, like, I love Ford Rangers and I would just buy one and travel the country and put a mattress in the back. And like, that was, love it. you know, maybe that'll hey. be the next car I buy. I don't know. Maybe. Awesome. Um, I'm not really a car person. So like fancy cars, I'm like, whatever. Country. I would like to go to New Zealand. Oh, I would love to go there. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I'm kind of a Lord of the Rings freak. Uh, Frodo! <laughs> who isn't? <Right>. Um, <laughs> I, I just think it's beautiful. I would love to backpack there. It seems like they have their shit together, which is refreshing. And um, it seems hard to not be at peace when you're in New Zealand. Yeah. So that yeah. Cuisine... I'm so basic. Tacos. I just, I love tacos. Hey, nothing wrong with tacos, man. So I would have delicious tacos with a celebrity. Well, yeah, I was reading in my leadership book this morning about um, Abraham Lincoln and his his path to presidency and it's just interesting because he, he was a very troubled person and like had a lot of depression and a lot of issues and also like really wasn't successful in his career till he became a president. And I, and it was just kind of talking about like how to own the sides of you that like, we all have our issues that are just inherent to us that are going to not going to go away. And so how to like integrate the, those, that side of you into your leadership and lead out of like a holistic self and not like this like shadow self that you're trying to like hide from the world. And I don't know. So I was like, maybe I would, maybe I would just, talk to him about his path to presidency because it he did seem like a very unlikely um leader and of course like now is very known as a president but um had a lot of like personal problems and I think that's just kind of interesting because I think we we think you know you can't have those to lead right so you have tacos with Abe Lincoln in New Zealand in the back of your uh four truck I love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay all right your favorite go-to movie you know, I do not watch a ton of movies, but I actually would say, I always say Lord of the Rings is just my favorite movie. Got it. Love it. Love Super it. long. It's a commitment to watch though. You got to be like, we're doing this. for. Yeah. You're in it. You're, you're in it to win it. If you're going to watch Lord of the Rings for sure. We, yes. Yes. Your go-to song. Listen, I still listen to My Chemical Romance, which is very the, what the Welcome to the Black Parade or what? Yes. what? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is that, is that what it is? So if I am like, just not sure what I want to listen to, I'll just throw on that album. And 
I'm very salty because I got tickets to their reunion show last year and it was canceled and it was canceled again this year and I'm so done. <laughs> oh, sadness, sadness. It's all right. It's all right. Your signature dance move. None because I don't dance. I'm awful at it. <laughs> I mean, like some weird little thing, probably. <laughs> Like, I really don't dance. People try to teach me how to pop lock and drop it in college. And it was just. Apparently it's not going to pop lock and drop. Not That's my signature dance move. I don't know. I feel like I can kind of see I'm kind of dating myself now. I can like maybe pull off the soldier boy a little bit. A little bit. All right. All right. Ne- next time we have, next time we are together, I want to see you a little bit of your soldier boy. Okay. Um, in another life, your job or career would be. So this one makes no sense if you know who I am. Um, But sometimes I dream about just living on like a ranch down south and like running a horse something or other. Hey, all right. (laughs) Like sometimes I want a slower pace of life and I just kind of want to like not talk to people and live in the country. Hey, it's all good. All right. So I say something lightly. It doesn't have to be a thing, but what's something you can't live without? Hmm. All right. My serious answer, my faith, my non-serious answer, but kind of serious coffee. All right. Something in your ordinary daily life that makes your heart happy. My me time is every morning from like six to seven. And it is just, yeah, it just makes me happy to just have my coffee and like read a book or just look out at this, you know, as the sun is rising or whatever. Um, yeah. And last but not least, what are you grateful for right now? I think I'm really grateful for just for rebuilding. I think like, I'm really grateful for, for the time I had to recognize the changes I needed to make and for the opportunity to rebuild and for the new life that I'm creating for myself that feels a lot better than what I was in. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, my dear, it's always a fantastic spending time with you. And I just want to thank you for being so real and open and sharing your story. Cause I do think a lot of people are going to resonate with it. I think it's going to help a ton of people. And I just want to say again, kudos to you for taking the bold, brave move to say, I, I got to go work on myself and to let yourself wait in that messy middle. And I, I love that you're divorcing yourself from, you know, <laughs> yeah. what you do and you're really getting more close to connecting mm-hmm. with Carly is because she, she's freaking awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to show up as a leader. If you haven't yet subscribed, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Rosie Ward, and you can find me online at drrosieward.com, where you'll be able to sign up for my newsletter, check out the books I'm reading and hear from the people I'm talking to. You can also get more information on what I'm up to professionally, including my coaching and speaking services. You can also find me on LinkedIn at rward, Facebook and Instagram at drrosieward, or email me at rosie at drrosieward.com. And I just want to remind you to remember that you have the choice every day to show up as a leader. So choose courage over comfort, embrace your humanity, and never, ever dull your sparkle. Take care, everyone.